0: Sam Harris doesn't know his butt from his elbow. This is the shocking revelation coming into you today from the Scottish Liberty Podcast with me, Tom Laird. And me, Anthony Samaroff. Sam Harris, as we all know, a highly intelligent guy. thinks, personally, I think the brightest of the three um, horsemen of the apocalypse when it came to the new atheists. You had Christopher Hitchens, uh, Dawkins, And Sam Harris. And I think of the three, Sam Harris was the guy who took on religion on its philosophical content, which is uh, basically what you have to do. Don't agree with them, but certainly the brightest tool in the box. But here today, Anthony Samarath is here to tell us all why he really doesn't know what he's talking about. Sorry, that's uh, Sam Harris doesn't know what he's talking about, not Anthony Samarath doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, Sam Harris doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to economics. Anthony, shocking revelation, tell us more.
1: Well, Sam Harris is never done talking on his podcast about how mechanisation and AI is going to bring doom upon the earth if we don't get some government to save us from that doom. Okay, AI being artificial intelligence. That's right, and artificial intelligence may someday replace a lot of the work that is currently being done by human beings, just as... um, The automobile has made the horse-drawn carriage outdated and soon even our automobiles might be driving themselves and we'll save on a lot of accidents. But what Sam Harris has to say reminds me very strongly of the Bastiat um, quote, uh, the great classic liberal economist Bastiat. We must admit our opponents have a marked advantage over us. They need only utter a few words to set forth a half-truth, whereas in order to show that it's a half-truth, we must have recourse to long and dry dissertations. In economics, everything is not about the apparent consequences of some action or policy, but about the knock-on consequences of that action and policy. So it's very easy to make a very convincing-sounding argument in economics, like, you know, if we take some money from over here, and put it over there, it will create jobs, yeah. not realising that you have to lose jobs to create those jobs and so forth. And you can't blame an intelligent guy like Sam Harris for having the common misconceptions that we're going we're gonna to go into about economics in this episode. Um, but I guess you can blame him because it's his job to go and uh, take a second look. Yeah. So shall we just roll the clip and see what Sam Harris has to say before we break it down? Roll the clip
2: we need a new ethic that and politics that decouples a person's claim on existence from doing profitable work that someone will pay you for because you, a lot of that work is going away could I, I mean well what are your thoughts on universal basic income because bring bring it back to that with this rise of the machines if we do have things automated i mean some ridiculous number of people make their living driving cars mm. and driving trucks now when yeah. that when those jobs are gone I, I think it's millions of people right yeah Isn't it? no it, and it's i think it is the in the states it's the most uh common job for white men i think i think it's something like like 9 million white men are driving trucks and cars I mean, the problem with like, that is most people are like fuck white men yeah, yeah. well I'm tired of anyway, white men. But We're yeah patriarchy but this is, this is <laughs> you know Trump's base yeah I think universal basic income I mean, there there are reasons to worry that it's not a perfect solution because you do want you want to incentivize the things you want to incentivize you need to just understand the consequences of any system you would put in place but there's just no question that viewed as an opportunity this is I mean this is the greatest opportunity in human history we're talking about canceling the need for dangerous boring repetitive work and freeing up humanity to do interesting creative fun things now how could that be bad well give us a little time and we'll show you how we can make it bad mm-hmm. but and it'll, it'll be bad if it leads to just you know Extraordinary wealth inequality that we haven't, we don't have the political or ethical will to to fix. Um, and because if we have a culture of people who think I don't want any handouts and I certainly don't want my neighbor to get any handouts and I don't want to pay any taxes so that he get he can be a lazy bum, if that's the if we have this you know hangover from from uh, uh, Calvinism, you know that uh, makes it impossible to talk creatively and reasonably about what has changed, yeah, it could be a very painful you know, bottleneck we have to pass through until we get to something that is that is um, much better or a hell of a lot worse, depending on, on where the technology goes. And I think at a certain point, the, the wealth inequality will be obviously unsustainable. I mean, you can't have multiple trillionaires walking around living in compounds w- with razor wire uh, and just moving everywhere with by, you know by private jet um, and then you know massive levels of unemployment in a society like ours i mean at a certain point where the richest people will realize that enough is enough we have to spread this wealth because otherwise people are just going to show up at our compounds with with you know their ar15s or their pitchforks and you know, that the society will, will, will not sustain it. I mean, you can't, you, there, there has to be some level of wealth inequality that is unsustainable, that mm. people, people will not tolerate. Um, and you, you begin to look more and more like a banana republic until you become a banana republic. But now we're talking about, you know, the, the US or, or the, the developed world where um, all the wealth is. Uh, so redistribution is the end game. And that's that but that's a toxic concept for half of the country right now Right the idea of the welfare state the the, idea of perpetuating that and and spreading it across the board Yeah, I mean whatever the solution is for coal mining We should not be hostage for for the coal miners. We should not be hostage to the idea that they need jobs so that whatever job they were doing and, and are still qualified to do that job has to continue to exist no matter what, no matter what the environmental consequences, no matter what the health consequences, no matter how it closes the door to good things that we, we want. We don't do that with anything. We didn't do that with, you know, the people who are making buggy whips or, or anything else. Or slavery. Else. Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's no, um, at a certain point we move on and we make progress and we don't let that progress get rolled back. And when you're talking about, uh, Developing technology that produces energy that doesn't have any of these negative effects—you um, know, whether it's global uh, climate change or just pollution—of course, we have to move in that direction. And the, and the other thing that's that's crazy is that we're not talking honestly about how the, the dirty tech is subsidized. I mean, you have the oil people say, "Well." solar is all subsidized right this is you know it's just this a government handout that's giving us the solar industry well one that's not even a that you have to produce an argument as to why that's a bad thing we this is something we should want the government to do the government needs to incentivize new industries that the market can't incentivize now if they are industries that are just intrinsically good and, and are going to lead to the betterment of, of humanity but Carbon is massively subsidized. We have, we, ha- we don't have. I mean, if if we actually had the 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 coal producers um, and the and the petroleum producers pay for the consequences of car- of carbon uh, and pollution, it would be it would be much more expensive than it is, right? So it's already subsidized. You know, we do. So we should. I mean, we 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 need a carbon tax. Clearly, we need to. I mean, the tax code should incentivize what we want to incentivize. Well,
0: Okay, Anthony, uh, a lot to deal with there. So many problems. Where shall we start? Okay, let's deal with this idea that uh, these trillionaires are going to be in control of all the machines and it's going to create massive wealth inequality.
1: Okay, so this is an interesting point, and it's not the first time that Sam Harris or someone on his podcast has made it. One of his um, guests, Yuval Harari, said... The danger is that automation and the rise of AI will create the most unequal society that has ever been created. Now, the irony is, of course, that automation has created the most equal society that's ever been created. In the old days, a rich person used to ride around in a carriage with four horses, whereas a poor person walked everywhere. Now, even people on low incomes have a car. Now, a rich person might have a Maserati, But it's comparably equal. You've got a flush toilet. A rich person's got a flush toilet. They can't get a much better mattress or internet connection than you. You've got a washing machine, dishwasher, vacuum cleaner. You've got a laptop.
0: Bill Gates has got a laptop.
1: Exactly. And anyone could make a podcast like this given that they've got a reasonable standard of living. Before, only rich people had access to making media and things like that. So materially... We live in the most equal society ever created. And that is because machines allowed one person to do the work that hundreds of people used to do, which drove down the cost of buying goods yeah. to a point where they're affordable to everyone. Now, as another thing that happened, the average work week plummeted from 57 hours in um, 1870 to maybe 37 to 42 hours today and poor people's children used to work now the children are in school if the children were still working their parents might only be working 25 hours so this shows that automation has created not only an equal society but a society where regular people have leisure time consuming art used to just be something that aristocrats could do. Creating art, only yes. something that aristocrats could do. Now, uh, you've got uh, access to listening to symphonies, operas, uh, all of this stuff that only rich people could access. And all of this is because of automation. The fear is, of course, that as automation will continue, these jobs will disappear. Um, disappear, yeah. But but the thing is, that's a Marxist misconception. Okay. Because it only looks at people in their capacities as workers. It doesn't also look at them in their other, other capacity, which is as consumers. So because the price of goods is coming down, people will have to work less to earn the amount of money that it costs to make a living. So these truck drivers that are going out of business... That means the trucking industry has one less expense, which is to pay their workers, which means that all the goods in the supermarket are cheaper. So what should happen is the number of hours that people need to work will gradually, gradually, gradually taper off until it gets to that point that Murray Rothbard envisioned where he said, until the day when you just imagine a Coke and it appears in your mouth, uh, there will always be the need for human labour. It's not like class sizes are too small, you know? We could have one teacher to every child. We could have several teachers to every child if there's no uh, factory jobs or service jobs left. It's not like there's too few lonely old people. People can go into the old age home and read those people's stories because they only, you know, they only need to be paid uh, the the most meager amount in order to um, to make a living. Um, you know, it's not like there's too few nurses, too few doctors. Mm. All, and
0: uh, people can make art for each other. Um, but do we do we do we accept at least maybe the point that? In the initial stages of automation, then there will be unemployment while people retrain. And not, not everybody's going to be able to retrain. I mean, not your average truck driver is not necessarily going to be able to retrain as a nurse. Or, or well, a nurse.
1: he's not going to be retrained if the progressives have their way and they institute a $15 minimum wage, living yeah. wage, because no one is going to pay you $15 an hour to train you. They might pay you $5 an hour to train you because you're not making them any money while they're training you. Then once you've got those skills, you can choose another job. So if there's a very high uh, barriers to employing people, lots of labor laws, very high minimum wages, then it's gonna be hard for the economy to reabsorb uh, workers, Um, but, If it's a relatively free market or a free market, then employers will pay people to train. And also, you need to remember that a lot of jobs would not exist if not for automation. I mean, a CAT scan operator, someone who makes a microchip, these are things that you can't do without machines. Yeah. Um, automation always creates new jobs. The best way to deal with the transition is not to incentivize companies to adopt the machine sooner by high minimum wages. Because if the the minimum wage is too high, then it'll just go, well, I'm not going to employ a bunch of people. I'm just going to adopt the machine sooner. You want a smooth transition where these jobs taper off one by one and are easily reabsorbed into the economy.
0: Yeah. I mean, he also, um, he talks a lot about these the, the wealth inequality. I mean, he highlights that there's going to be massive wealth inequality. What is the obsession that progressives and the left have with wealth inequality as opposed to, I mean, what, what do I care whether or not um, Sam Harris is making 10 times the amount of money that I'm making or whether Bill Gates is making... You know, thousands, of times. thousands of times more money than I'm making, provided that you know, my standard of living is good and getting better. You know, is it does it come from this idea you know this uh, zero sum game where there is only X amount of pie, and the more pie Sam Harris gets, the less pie I get?
1: Well, I think to some people it's unpalatable the idea that someone's going to be a billionaire while well, there's people starving in the world. But this um,
0: overlooks a couple of things. Well, the first... I mean, do they have have less of a problem if there's more people with a thousand pounds in their pocket, yet there's people starving in the world? I mean, what's, you know...
1: Inequality isn't um, a measure of whether people's standards of living are getting better. For example, in South Africa, when millions of blacks came out of poverty, that created a massive inequality figure because there was a bunch of blacks that were still in poverty yeah. so inequality is a very inefficient man mem- um, it's mo- poverty is more important than inequality and in 2015 we celebrated for the first time in history less than 10 percent of the world's population in poverty now there's two misconceptions here the first one is that some people are poor because other yeah. people are rich but most people who get rich Now, obviously there's quote capitalists and people who the government gets in bed with big business to bias the member. Yeah, Yeah. there are undeserving rich. But most people who get rich do so by developing products that before only rich people could afford, but they develop them to the point where regular people can buy them. And that's where they get their massive wealth from, Mm. from selling that product to countless number of people who choose that product because they believe it will increase their standard of living. Right. So the fact that we brought, you know, computers were once tens and thousands of dollars, your Steve Jobs, your Bill Gates, they became rich by making those products affordable to regular people and massively increasing everyone's standards of living. Now, if you'd gone back to the Industrial Revolution, when for the first time in history uh, pe- you have got the self-made man who created a factory. Before that, it was only aristocrats whose family had been rich, uh, whose family's family had been rich all throughout history. Now, people got rich uh, by being a factory owner, and you said, "Well, this is really unfair. The workers, as you know, people like Charles Dickens illustrated." Yeah. Are living in squalor and their employers are rich if you'd redistributed the wealth of those employers maybe everyone in Europe would have got a table leg an extra Mm. table leg but you wouldn't have seen the increase in capital development because those capitalists invested their wealth in more factories that brought more stuff onto the market. And then because there was more stuff, the price of those goods went down so more people could afford it. And it increased people's standards of living and increased people's standards of living to the point that we are now. Um, Now, that is what they really need in the third world. They need that capital investment. They need to open up their markets. So your people like Bill Gates or whoever is the richest people in the world, what are they doing with that money? They're not just sitting on it. They're investing it in the stock market. Who chooses which of those investments succeed and which ones fail? The, Re- consumer. the consumer, which is all of us, regular people. If Bill Gates does not put his investments to work for regular people, those companies that he invests in will go out of business and he'll lose all his money the market stewards that wealth into the hands of the people who are making wise investments and investing in things that people actually want uh, to choose to buy regular people and this idea that there will only be a few trillionaires who own all the machines is nonsense because how are they going to make that money if everyone else is poor
0: more importantly what they're going to spend it on
1: right (laughs) you know what are they going to do with the am i going to buy a learjet off you and then you know you buy it back off me because we're the only two trillionaires like what the supposing we do buy all the machines the machines have to be making stuff for regular people otherwise there's not even any point in buying them like and that is how. Unless you
0: get got some sort of machine fetish.
1: So I, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I have, I'm sure that we did an episode on sex <laughs> yeah, robots, so you never Check know. Out, yeah. uh, but I have to say, I don't think unless you've got some style of 1984 government, but in 2100, yeah. um I don't see this plutocracy of a few trillionaires being realistic. Because the only way there can be trillionaires is if your average person is earning upwards of a hundred thousand dollars and so forth so that there's enough people with that kind of income to be buying the stuff to to bump it up to the trillionaires i yeah. don't think that's likely to happen there gets a point where there's you know there's, there's not enough uh, there's not enough stuff to to, yeah. to invest there needs to be a lot of invest wealth yeah. for people to even be trillionaires so well, it's like,
0: I mean, even if you look back to the days of slavery and in, uh, in america and slavery even in ancient rome where it got to that critical point where there was that many slaves that there was nobody sort of consuming anything because right. they, you know, they didn't have any money you know nobody had any money to actually spend on anything so the guy who owns a, a business or owns a shop or who's a trader has got nobody to sell his stuff to because everybody's a slave, you know? So if if there is that disparity that Sam Harris is talking about where you've got these trillionaires and everybody else has got nothing, then it's not going to work for the trillionaires either, really. Yeah, what are they going to (laughs) do? So, um,
1: basically, I don't think it's a realistic vision. As we've seen throughout history, automation has massively increased the... um, wealth that regular people have while reducing the number of hours that they have to work and it should continue to do that provided we have a relatively free market which makes it easier plus because because it's a relatively free market everyone that's on a regular income can employ a gardener can employ their own chef you know it's not like we're running out of things that I would like other people to do for me. Like everyone would like to have a butler, you know? And, And if, if all the service jobs and all the factory jobs are automated, then we get to the point where we've got a culture where people are paying other people to do stuff from them, you know. It won't be expensive for you to invite a band over to play at your wedding or just your friend's birthday. Yeah. You know, it now becomes inexpensive to do that because all of the um
0: Because all the of, cost a living yes. down. And, down and if everybody. the
1: government wants to help, the only thing it can do is A get out of the way and B um fix the schools, you know, give people because right now we're just filling people's heads with information they don't need information they've got wikipedia you need to teach people how to learn how to develop skills how to because there's people coming out of the education system 11 to 13 years that can't even get a minimum wage job and that is because of government it's not
0: because of the market and it's not because of automation no it's certainly not so so what was this point he makes about? Uh, okay, he's he's. Uh, oh, where did he go next? What was his next? Um, well, one is his this next fallacy idea of decoupling work from a claim on existence, and right. no one that
1: that that basically translates as um, people who are doing stuff for other people should admit a lower standard of living to pay for people who aren't doing things for yep. other people. I say that 's a to- that is the toxic concept because see if you cannot earn on your own by creating something that other people want to consume you 're going to spend your whole life as a beggar dependent on someone else, dependent on the government and if the government decides they don 't like your politics, they can cut you off if the government goes bankrupt you 're finished yeah. if the if you know the the banker The governments decide they don't like your colour of skin. Anything about you, this is going to lead to some kind of episode of the Twilight Zone where everyone's on a basic income and no one has any skills and the government becomes totalitarian Mm -hmm. because they know that people are dependent on them. And we've got an episode on universal basic income. It's our best viewed episode. So if you've not checked it out yet... Please, by all means, check that out, and I go through some of the economic problems with the UBI. Yeah.
0: Well, he calls. Uh, he says we need to get away from this idea that uh, redistribution of wealth is a toxic, uh, you know, toxic notion or toxic concept. Um, well, I, I think it is a toxic concept. I mean, redistribution of wealth is just a fancy name for theft. Really, it's very right. Yeah. Right, and uh, if people got their wealth
1: in a crony capitalist way by uh, being in bed with the government then we need to decouple government from the corporation and stop having this round robin of uh, people from corporations becoming lobbyists going into congress and and then going back into corporation it's the fact that the government has the ability to pass regulations that create monopolization of markets that is the problem because on a free market the only way to gain resources is by creating something that other people want but as soon as you can gain more resources by lobbying the government than by serving your customers newsflash that's what you're going to do because if you don't do it someone else will do it so as soon as you have the situation where the government can choose winners and losers uh, capitalists are going to exploit that instead of serving their customers
0: and when they talk about redistribution of wealth, also, it also seems to be it's always somebody else's wealth that's the next mm-hmm. guy up. You know, It's that next guy, not me, the, the guy who's earning more than me. You need to redistribute his wealth. And the fact of the matter is, okay, these trillionaires, that you, by his own admission, he says, oh, there's maybe two or three trillionaires. Okay, once you're done with their money, where do you go next? And added to that, simply redistributing money in of itself does not create wealth. Because right. you, you know if the, if the world is awash with money and there 's nothing to buy with it there 's no stuff there 's no product there 's nothing to consume, then that 's not going to make people any better off yes, what they need to be doing is investing that wealth, and the
1: best thing is if the the, the poorest countries in the world open up to foreign investment, so people can come in and set up factories there, take advantage of the cheap labor to sell products to the west so that working class people in the west can get all their stuff cheaply from the third world send their money to the third world once the factories are established the people in the third world now have skills they have infrastructure they have um, they they build their own local ancillary companies this is how Bangladesh and Indonesia and what have you, have seen massive increases yeah. in the level of living standards in their country, whereas Cuba or Venezuela maybe had similar living standards uh, before they embraced communism to what they have now, yeah. whereas the the living standards in Europe has shot up the way, yeah. um, whereas Cuba had a similar living standard to Europe at the time before the revolution but it has stagnated because there is no capital investment so what you need is you don't need to give the third world a handout there's a democracy called there's a documentary called poverty inc that shows how foreign aid has not really helped the third world Uh, in fact sometimes it was damaging sometimes you know you give foreign aid or you dump food on the third world thinking we're going to Uh, feed those starving people and all that happens is the farmers who live there go out of business so you actually set them back instead of helping them what they need is us to not be so selfish and say oh well we can't um import tomatoes from uh from the third world because then our farmers will go out of business. No, we need to say we should be able to import products from wherever we want and we should be able to send our money to the poorest places in the world to help them develop. And that will help us because once the third world becomes wealthy, they will get universities, they will get intellectual class. They'll start inventing things right now they're not inventing things because they've got a subsistence lifestyle but when the poorest countries in the world become rich they get leisure time they get intellectuals they get inventors they get capitalists and just in the same way that we benefit from anything invented in america and america benefits from anything invented in europe we will also benefit from the developed world developing and becoming innovators So it's it's win-win. The universe is beautifully uh, engineered, designed, some would say, evolved, some would say, but evolved in accordance with laws. And there are economic laws, and they say that if you both um, are voluntary in a transaction, both parties benefit. Um, but if you use force, only one party benefits.
0: So talking okay. about using force... Well, yeah, I mean, what do you... What's the uh, what's your take on? He mentions subsidies, and he mentions subsidies to uh, to carbon industries, and he also mentions uh, subsidies to solar industries. Now, why is subsidising solar power a bad idea? Well, the first case,
1: it's immoral to steal from people to give it to a bunch of capitalists. Yeah. The second thing is that it was also counterproductive because it subsidises um, not developing the product better. So if you've got a solar power...
0: But I guess they would argue that they wouldn't have developed it at all if it hadn't, because the market didn't see any uh, need for this. It was government who saw the need for solar power and even put the investment in there. Uh, I'm not sure that how true that is, but even if it was, uh,
1: this was under the Oh, that, this is because the nuclear industry and the fossil fuel industry were under the auspices of government yeah. and were getting massive handouts for government if they weren't then that technology would be more expensive which would incentivise the development of solar panels now if I've got a solar panel that is not economically viable but the government subsidises it to just push it over the edge yeah. so that people will buy it then i've not got the incentive to develop the technology further so that people would buy it anyway what's more supposing the government spends a billion pounds or dollars on buying people solar panels if next year someone builds a slightly better solar panel slightly cheaper then we've just wasted a billion pounds because we can't tell the future now i believe in solar energy uh, I believe that it's coming down in price by 4 to 6% a year. And Tesla are now uh, bringing out these solar power t- tiles yeah. that will replace your roof tiles. As soon as these become commercially viable, as soon as the technology is there, it's going to be like the internet. Everyone's going to have them on their roof. But you cannot speed up Progress in an inorganic fashion.
0: Unfortunately, you, Elon Musk of uh, Tesla has uh, jumped on the government band bandwagon wagon, and yes. started to take government subsidies. He's a Coney capitalist.
1: I like the guy. Yeah. I think he's sold he's, out. He's, he's, his heart's in the right place, but shame on you. Yeah. You do not accept theft of other people's money. If you want to develop those products, go out into the market and seek investment. You're a rich man. You have no right to tax middle-class people to develop your products. Okay. Do not be a pig at the trough. You do not need that government money. Take it out of your own pocket. Well said, sir. So, okay, we let's tell them about the transformation of American law uh, because uh, Morton J. Horowitz, an uh, economist, wrote a two-volume treatise about the transformation of, of American law, and what Sam Harris is talking about is externalities. Yeah. If I sell you a car, you might benefit from the car. I might benefit from selling you
0: at But somebody else's health might. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, from the pollution. Well, yeah. Right. But well, he's talking about instituting a carbon tax. He says in there you know it's best to have a carbon tax. Um, well, that's idiotic because he admits himself that the carbon industry is heavily subsidised. What in the name of God is the point of subsidising an industry on the one hand and then taxing it and especially punishing the consumer with tax uh, on the other hand? Just stop subsidising it. Then it will cost what it's supposed to cost. You know, then your fuel for your for your car, then your your gas prices will go up massively, and then people will say, "Okay, now we have to really." look at the alternatives because we can't afford to pay this. So there's no point in subsidising that. However, I think what Andy's talking about is the one point, you know, any and this be it the railroads or factories, uh, the externalities of that factory, let's look at a simple uh, example. If that factory was producing smoke and that smoke blackened the washing that was hanging on your line, you could go to civil court and say, this factory has caused, caused me harm, injury or loss. In this case, it would be loss because you, you, know, you spent money to wash your clothes, then they got blackened, then you had to wash them again. When you tried to dry them outside, you couldn't do it because of the, the, the blackness of smoke. And that's just the washing. That's not thinking about what's going into your lungs and what's going on to your garden and all the rest of it. So they could go to the, the, the court and say, the, the, this company with this factory that's blackening my washing has to pay to get this cleaned. And that, that made their product cost more, and that cost got passed on to the consumer. So they have to find a way of making it cleaner, or they'll go out of business. What the government did is stepped in and took a utilitarian approach and said, well, look, this is about the collective. It's not about you, you selfish little individual. All you give a monkey's about is your epoxy washing. Who cares about your washing? You know, there's greater things to be thought about here. This factory produces uh, wealth, it produces, it gives work to people, you know, people work in that factory, it's good for the community, Uh, and, you know, frankly, that outweighs your individual rights. And if we'd have just stuck to that, if government hadn't have interfered and allowed people to sue factories, then, you know, our energy would be probably a lot cleaner by now. Would you agree?
1: Yes, absolutely. So what you have a case is, under common law, If someone created harm or loss to your person or property you could go to a claims court and sue them for compensation but then the collectivists came along and changed the law so that it was all about the the common good the common good the greater good and now the collectivists are telling us individualists us libertarians that uh we don't care about the environment where it was your collectivist form of law your uh legislation and statutes that uh, you that superseded the common law which put the individual first as for your excellent illustration of the um you know subsidizing something after uh, and then taxing it That's kind of like supposing you went to the doctor and you were massively overweight. Uh, Instead of getting you on a diet plan and helping you take exercise and uh, stop all the boozing or smoking or whatever your unhealthy habits are, he gives you some diet pills and then you get a headache and you get sent to the neurologist for the side effects. And then those pills screw with your hormones and you need to go to an endocrinologist and you get more pills. This is what happens with government programs. They create unintended consequences and then you need a government programme to deal with the unintended consequences and the unintended consequences. So that is just silly. Stop the crony capitalism. Stop using public money to subsidise capitalists.
0: Yeah, because I mean, it's fine to say, well, look, solar power is clean and it's good for the planet. Therefore, we should do it. I mean, we think that now. I mean, I don't know the resources that go into creating solar panels but there may be something out there that is far cheaper, far more efficient, and will be far more beneficial, yet it's just not happening because people are because the government is subsidising solar panels.
1: Yeah, so actually what this just means is we need to have a little bit of humility and say that we as individuals, and certainly the center, central planners in government, do not know better than the combined genius of humanity – And if you make it an even playing field, if you make it a free market where all the externalities are accounted for, all the costs of production are accounted for, then you have an even playing field which counts all the factors and the best technology will win out over time because that will be the one that is the cheapest and the most efficient. So Murray Rothbard, the great libertarian philosopher and economist, said, It is no sin to be ignorant of economics. After all, it is a highly specialised field. But it is um, wrong to loudly and vociferously voice opinions without a basic grounding in the economic understanding that you need to have to promote those policies. Sam Harris, big... uh, respect for a lot of the work that you've done i think you intelligent guy um definitely a thought leader in this day and age you've got a massive audience i think three to four hundred thousand or more people yeah, tuning they deserve to, better to yeah and i would like you to get some grounding in economics and you know you're welcome to come on our show uh uh, or bring us on your show to discuss this further. would love to debate it. Uh, to any Sam Harris enthusiasts, thank you for listening to our show. Please, to all our listeners, tweet this podcast to Sam Harris. He's got a good record of replying to critics. And do you know what? For all I know, he knows better than us, or some of his fans know better than us. You can come and correct us, correct Ludwig von Mises, Hayek, Murray
0: Rothbard, yeah, Murray Rothbard. Yeah, uh, I recommend say, this. say the name. Uh, uh, Murray Rothbard is called. Uh, what has government done to our money? It's a good start for anybody who wants to get into the genius that is Murray Rothbard. Check out this book. Check out uh, uh, Sam Harris. Check out anything by Murray Rothbard. chess check out anything by Mises, and you know, because your your fans, people who listen to you, actually deserve more. They deserve some, you know, for you to have actually researched it properly. Instead of just coming out with, you know, the usual tropes that are just regurgitated without any real thought by the the progressive left.
1: Yes, and I know that these views are um, superficially plausible. They sound credible. You think the machines are going to take away the jobs. Well, there's strong arguments against it. We've outlined most of them. There may be
0: some more. I mean I, I just just done the i mean just as a thought i mean i used to be involved in the transport industry and he was told somehow i spoke about the nine million jobs that are, that, that are involved by by you know mainly uh, white males but we all know those they deserve to die horribly anyway because they're all the response joe rogan pointed out in that interview you know we are the patriarchy um however uh i used to be in the transport industry and it's perfectly possible especially with truckers that when AI takes over the driving of that truck, it doesn't mean necessarily mean that the trucker will be out of a job. His job will just change. He will be basically the the, the second man in that truck. While the AI is driving, it gives the trucker who you know he, who's going to take over if the AI breaks down or the or it th- gets a puncture or if something goes wrong with the engine it's easily repaired, well, that guy can jump out and do it. He's also there to unload the truck at the other end or help unload it. You know, he's got to go in the back there and you'll manipulate the pallets about so that the machine can come on and get them off. So while the AI is driving that vehicle, the trucker can be sleeping, he can be having his lunch, you know, so the stuff gets there quicker because the, the driver doesn't have to stop for a break. So AI gets there, the trucker does the secondary work. He still has a job. The job just changes, you know, and that's that's the way it goes.
1: Yeah, and lots of jobs that exist now wouldn't uh, exist if not for automation, like um, a CAT scan attendant or making a microchip or programming AIs. So... Well,
0: there'd be no reason for truck drivers if nobody had invented a truck. You know? <laughs> right, which, which, which is technology <laughs> Which is yeah. technology yeah. Automated. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, thank you everyone for tuning in, especially you Sam Harris enthusiasts yeah. who haven't watched the show before. Please tweet this podcast to Sam Harris uh, so that he can check out the arguments and correct us if we're wrong.
0: Yeah, and then just get it right. Don't misquote us, you know, because uh, like David Coverdale, we hate to be mistweeted. <laughs> How did you